sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? Griff here. Another episode of the Beer Engine podcast. Uh, I, as usual, uh, here on the post-election day special, um, uh, but I am, of course, joined by my colleague. He's been pointing at the big board on CNN with his functioning hand, um, and maybe his non-functioning hand, too. Might as well try poking at it a little bit. Uh, Tony, how are you doing today? I'm good. Look, the uh, the amazing thing about that big board, we all thought that was cool 12 years ago until... We saw it used for the first time 12 years ago, and it just showed out to be a disaster then, and it's even more of a disaster now. But the fact they let somebody with a claw hand use it shows how far the tech hasn't come, because whether I'm using it or somebody with two good hands is using it, it's still fucking useless. I got two worries about that thing. Number one, uh, I can do almost everything with it on my uh, on my computer or on my tablet with a little magical free application called Google Maps. And then the other thing is, uh, are they sanitizing that thing down? Are they, are they hosing that thing down with the, hand, with, the, with the bleach spray, with the Clorox wipes, with the hand sani? What's going on with these guys before they use this thing? Are they, um, I honestly, I have to admit, I actually haven't watched uh, any election coverage and I'm not sure what even happened. So, um, okay. Tony, what have you seen anything? Are they, are they, are they washing it down, hosing it down? What are they doing? Well, they're only allowing one person at the board, at least on CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his face that always does the election big board stuff. He was the John only one. King, I believe it that is. is yeah. That is correct. I, I wanted to call him some other name. I wanted to call him John Roberts and I know it's not John Roberts. He's on ABC, I think, formerly a Fox. I, He's uh, a Supreme Court justice, but potentially. Oh, <laughs> you are also. absolutely correct. But I think both of them, yeah. But he was the only one on CNN. Fox didn't have a big board. Um, they just flashed maps up. I don't think Rupert wanted to invest the overhead in big boards. But my theory is he's not even touching that board. It's just a TV with a green screen in it, and that's why oh, it wow. always goes awry. And so there's no actual physical interaction interaction with it i think it's all smoke and mirrors behind the scenes you think he's just like a weatherman a glorified weatherman like, yep he's just sort of like waving at the at the pictures of the those triangle bands of 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 low pressure or whatever <laughs> and the curly cues of a cold front or whatever like that and he's just pointing them and pushing them along like uh al roker or whatever yes absolutely or to give an australian reference jane bunn who is a St. Kilda supporter. Oh, sure. Much Jane Byrne, the former mayor, mayor of Chicago. Jane Bunn, like hot cross buns. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Or she's well, got a well, really big know. set of buns, which she does. Yikes. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, speaking of, um, well, I don't have any way to finish that. I was, I was trying to make a joke about Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's buns, but... Um, I did see a funny joke today that I'm going to steal that did say that the only way he's going to get to 270 is if he loses 50 pounds, which was kind of funny. But <laughs> so shout out to whoever made that joke. I like that one. But Tony, there was some Australian news that that 
came out of the election that I, I did want to gather your reaction on. Obviously, you know, of course, when we're recording this, um, not that it's, uh, I don't think it, it matters that it's particularly timely relevant. Everybody, I think most people will at least remember what happened a few days ago, but um, we're still sort of in the pre, um, it hasn't been called yet, we'll say, right? I mean, overall, but I think we're starting well, to near, or we're starting to have expectations about what will, what will happen um, from a vote counting standpoint. Now, what will happen from a freak out standpoint, I could never tell you in a million years, and we're not going to try to um, dive uh, into that. No, actually, I will try to predict that, but we'll see if I'm right. I, I, I just want to say, somebody has called it in Australia, one of our leading bookmakers, oh, really? Sportsbet, has called it, and they've called it for oh, wow. Biden. So whatever that means, maybe they're going to be paying it twice, and maybe they'll be paying it now, and they'll be paying out in 50 days' time when we finally get a decision. But but at this stage, they've called it for, for Biden, whatever that means. Yeah, there's a scenario where somebody wins the election, and you could pay on that, but then somebody else is still the president somehow. You know what I mean? If, if, that, if that horrifying... Uh, situation makes sense because uh there is while there are rules and stuff there's uh there would have to be someone to enforce them and who am I, i'm like what am i looking at the cops i don't know i mean come on um so i guess we'll just have to see but anyways so australian news uh i thought this would be important for you to know that uh according to Van- the failing vanity fair as we know failing like vanity it. fair uh, what, what, what was that guy's name I forgot that guy's name. Grayson Carter. Graydon Carter's failing Vanity Fair and bad food restaurants. But their Twitter account um, pointed out that, uh, according to a source, Trump phoned Rupert Murdoch, famous Australian, to scream about Fox calling Arizona for Joe Biden and demanded a retraction. Murdoch refused and the call stood. So (laughs) I just, an all-time great... Uh, I mean, it's not a Trump tweet, but just an all-time great Trump thing. Just calls one of his, a guy who's probably presumably, what, 10 times as wealthy as he is, if not more. Easily, yes. Um, to to complain about um, uh, something that he probably, how many <laughs> how many tiers of hierarchy are, are, are away from Rupert Murdoch and what's happening on Fox TV at any given moment, right? I mean. I'd say it's quite a, quite a big gap because... One of his sons, who was working for the News Corp organization, um, resigned because of their reporting. Now, that shows how little swing he it's had. A, it's the equivalent of complaining to Donald Trump if, like, the the housekeeper at the Mar-a-Lago, like, forgot to put the mint on your pillow or something, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, yes. that's what it feels like to me. But yeah, And I always take these stories with a grain of salt, but... I think the fact that it says um, that he screamed about the Fox call, that has an air of legitimacy about it because we I don't know whether you remember, but early on after Trump got sworn in, um, he called the Australian Prime Minister at the time and the Australian Prime Minister happened to be at the end of a long day and Trump, like a toddler, got really cranky and just screamed at the Australian Prime Minister for 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. I do, I do remember that. <laughs> so that shows that I think this this tweet is accurate. And, yeah, Rupert Murdoch does not give a flying fuck about what Donald um, Trump wants. Um, Rupert Murdoch is not um, an arbiter of the truth. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but he is 
at the end of the day a businessman and purely a businessman. Why is Fox News as right as it is? He's seen a, a, an area that the American um, news public needed to be exploited to make money, and he's sure as shit done that. Not saying he's not he a conservative, it. but that's that's why he's doing it. He's not doing it. He's not a Koch brother. He's as rich as a Koch brother, but he isn't as driven in his principles like they are. I don't think he cares, right? Yes, right. I don't that's think I don't I'm think saying. he cares besides I mean probably to a degree like I would I would suspect that I mean I guess I don't really know what all of the Koch brothers policies are and, and beliefs are but I would guess their beliefs are whatever gets me the richest the fastest I will I will feign belief in or support right <laughs> I mean we just ran a uh, there was a uh, there was a um uh, a, re- a, a we'll call it a referendum here on the on the Illinois ballot for <clears throat> a, a progressive income tax and the richest guy in Illinois, uh, a guy named Ken Griffin, sunk like four hundred million dollars in trying into making sure that it wouldn't pass and putting out ads and all that stuff. And it's like he doesn't care; he just doesn't want to pay more taxes. I mean, that's a, yeah. he, he doesn't he doesn't it hasn't he has no interest in what it'll do for anybody or if it'll impact anybody. Um, or how it would impact anybody who anybody normal, right? I mean, yeah. I don't remember what not to not to talk about my tax bracket, but I can't recall if it was either going to lower my taxes by ten dollars or raise them by ten dollars. <laughs> and that's just not enough for me to remember, even. You know, not to brag or pat myself on the back, but I'll spend ten dollars all any minute. You want what do you want what do you want me to get for ten dollars? You know, send me an email at um uh whatever my email address, beer engine show at gmail dot com. And tell me what you want me to pay ten dollars for, and I'll, I'll I'll fucking do it. You can't stop me. Spend, um, spend the money anyways, on, on I, a good I, beer. And I think you're right there with the Koch brothers. And, and let me tell you, yeah, we'll, we'll go into that because I've been doing some of that. But um, yeah, so Rupert Murdoch going nuts. Um, we're we're just to timestamp this for everybody. We're right in the um, the very early stages of what I think will just be the lunatic phase of the end of the uh, end stage lunatic phase. I guess we've sort of been in it already, but. Um, it's going to be a lot of flailing for the next few days. And, you know, it's going to be funny. I don't know. I see it as being in the manic phase, to be honest. This is, this is when you're up and about and yeah, it's a little bit troubling in the manic phase and, and yeah, a lot of stuff can get damaged, but when it, when that roller coaster dips down the other side and the whole country goes into a depression and I don't mean a physical depression, I mean an emotional and, Economic sort of, depression also. But, yeah. <laughs> and perhaps an economic depression, but but yeah, when that luster comes off, that, that end game could uh, it could go awry. Um absolutely. And um it's I, I don't think the next I, I think I've mentioned this a handful of times. I I'm not particularly excited for the next couple of months, couple of weeks, you know, and so on and so forth. Um if I had any prediction, I'm I'm also not particularly thrilled about the next four eight, 12 years either. Um, I think it's a fair bet. I, I can't predict the future any better than anybody else, but I think a good bet is probably ongoing decline would be an easy prediction to make. Yeah, it's hard to see a different route, but hey, you know, we'll see. The only question I say to that, and I think you're right, I think we will see a decline, but are the next four years going to be better under the administration that looks like getting in or under Trump? 
not are they going to be better than the previous four years because there's such a lag cycle on the these things and we saw those first four years of Obama and and after what Bush had put the country through with sure. with sort of um, wars for for corporate companies and the damage that he did for for the US as a whole it's not saying that the first four years under Obama were, were great but um, yeah it's better than another four years under Bush or Cheney and that's I think of I course think it's that's what you're going to get this time around you're going to get a better four years than you were going to get right oh yeah than we were going to get right I I don't I, it'd be hard to say it'll be better than four years just because I don't know I I don't know what the virus what yeah. kind of havoc the virus is going to continue to wreak um I could suspect that I think I think economic depression is maybe a almost a certainty if not we're if we're not already in it and, and realizing it too late but doesn't, um doesn't it I, have to be a certainty though when you, when you think about it because a depression oh, yeah. needs a lot of worldwide factors to enable that and this is something that has hit the whole world it's hit certain places worse than others, but it's not something that just the US is experiencing. Europe is experiencing it. Australia is experiencing it, even though we don't have some of the health problems that, that course, you guys yeah. have got. But it's any developed nation has been hit extremely hard, and even, even third world countries are, are being affected by this. So when nobody's there that can take advantage of it, it's going to lead to a genuine downturn in the global economy. So going to be a struggle of course yep and there's been a lot of hand-wringing about it right there's been a lot of hand-wringing about you know when did things go wrong for the u.s you know when have things started it was it when trump got elected was it the 2014 election and you know i peered into my crystal ball tony and i was trying to nail down when things started going wrong here and for some reason, I can't get the damn thing to stop just showing me the Mayflower hitting that goddamn Plymouth Rock. <laughs> Every time I try to figure out when things started going wrong here, I see those guys in them little funny black hats cr- crashing into the into Plymouth uh, Harbor there, and um, it won't it won't ever show me anything different. Can't even get to the signing of the Constitution before they've already they've already decided what's going on, what's going uh, gone awry here. So um, I guess I guess it's just the unfortunate nature of, of our society or something. And maybe, maybe that's what it's telling me. I don't know. So Tony, uh, I was mentioning um, that I did do some drinking during this election. Unfortunately, as I've complained about on this podcast many times, despite trying times in the world, I cannot find a way to get shit face drunk. And this was still not a good enough excuse for me to do it. Um, even though everyone was going totally wacko on Twitter um, all I did was drink a couple of lagers and an IPA, so um, it well, was fine. Isn't that your problem? If you really wanted to go big, wouldn't you have just drunk um, a couple of triples and then um, a few bottles of, of Imperial Stout, and then you would have got there? Not what saying. I would have done is what um, listener and friend Tyler told me he did, which was drink three old fashions. That'll get you there, I think. You know, you do a nice, heavy, poor old fashioned. Like a Brian Malika Four, is that what we're saying? Yeah. Not not just a, a regular old fashioned, like a third of a bottle. No, you, I mean by this point, you're work, you're you're calling. I, I made three old fashions. I took down half half a bottle of Basil Hayden's or something, you know. So uh, that that'll probably you know for someone in their thirties, you're tying on a nice buzz if you're doing that. Uh, I just drank a couple of nice IPAs and sat around and really didn't watch any of the coverage. Even I just sort of followed it on Twitter and 
probably had Kelly looking at me being like, why are you sort of weirdly terse right now? You know? Um, Cause I didn't have an explanation for it other than saying like, well, I'm looking at this and I sort of know the outcome and it, and yet it's still sort of making me just anxious because it's even happening around us right now. I don't, I can't really yep. tell why I, why it's like <laughs> impacting me in some way. It's just something that's going on. And I sort of am used to being nervous about it. Um, what do, what do you feel about like elections? I know elections there have more hope to them than I tend to apply to ours. I don't see a lot of like outcomes in our, just because of the, the duality of the situation or the binary choices that really frustrate me. Um, I don't always see a lot of hope in our elections, but do you guys have more of that? Are you anxious because there is a better future that's about to happen? Or is it sort of the same feeling where you're like, well, you know, whatever, I guess I know I, what I want to happen, but it's probably yeah. screwed in the end anyways. Because it's, it's still a binary choice at the end of the day. You've got right. two major parties. You've got the Liberal and Nationals, which are your Conservatives. Um, the Liberal part goes back to economics. It's not at, they are our, our Conservatives. And then on the left side, you've got Labor and, and Greens. But the Labor and Greens don't vote in lop, lockstep like the Liberal National Party are a single, essentially a single party on a federal level. So okay. that is often the binary choice, but you can get a system in both houses of parliament where you can get crossbenchers actually holding the balance of power and then to get anything but a lame duck session happening, they actually have to work with these independents, whether they be Greens, whether they be um, Bob Catter's party, um, Clive Palmer when that was a thing for a hot second before it self-destructed fucking Pauline Hanson's right-wing fucking wankers. Um, oh boy. They, they can be crossbenchers. Now, if she's like, if you can imagine Trump, but like fully redneck, that's the best way to explain Pauline Hanson. Um, wow. Crass <laughs> and horrible and everything that Trump is. She's that, right? but with no sort of gloss of gold. I'm not going to say gloss of class, but she, she was famous for owning a fish and chip shop. Yeah, it's just sort of the... But she's still a horrible person. Just a... It just... Uh, the, the difference with Trump is he... he he's the poor... He's, a, he's what a uh, stupid person thinks a rich guy is, you know, <laughs> at least. Yes. That, yeah. that, that lady seems like what a stupid person thinks a uh, normal person is. <laughs> Uh, which is just which is just as annoying, right? And actually, probably worse because you sort of apply your own values to somebody that um, probably doesn't embody them in any particular way. But yeah, so what what you can do though is if if you've got a two party race in your um, electorate, you on an on a state by state basis, you can then put your vote to another party that's more likely to do that. So, say for example, sure. I'm very much a lefty. Uh, the chances of a green being elected in in my seat for the mm-hmm. lower house is is very very slim. It's, hey, it hasn't stopped me before. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> but in the upper house, because of the way votes and preferences are dealt out, I'm much more likely to go for a greens candidate if their platform is appealing over Labor because my vote then then counts on a state level and I'm not locked into people around me in my 
little um, yeah. little shire or, or voting district. So that that's where our system our system is not perfect by any stretch, but it's it's something that's an improvement on the electoral college. I will say that from <laughs> sort of having a little yeah. bit of knowledge of the two. And don't get me started on first past the post. That's one of the worst systems ever. No, no, we won't be doing that either. Uh, I, I feel like rank, ranked choice is maybe the you know probably the a, a better. A better system to start employing, but yeah, which is essentially what we've got is, yeah, is the ranked choice system yeah. with our with our in inverted commas preferences. But yes, I was thinking uh, for some. I know he's English, but I I keep thinking about Bernie Sanders' brother Larry Sanders, and every time I think about Larry Sanders, I think of the TV show and not even the guy, the real guy. I'm just thinking of Gary Shandling yes. in the Larry Sanders show, which is a great TV show. But I just I every time I've seen. Bernie talked to his brother, who's a Green Party uh, member, who I or, or politician, I believe, in in the UK. I always say he's like, I'm going to talk. You know, you're going to talk to your brother Larry, and I'm like, Larry Sanders. I swear <laughs> to God, he died. I don't know. Is he, is he back or what happened? Uh, I love that TV show. It's very funny. It is very funny. Um, I've never heard Larry speak. Is he like a? Does he have a British accent, but speaks in the same sort of cadence that? That, that Bernie has? <laughs> um, you know, I don't really know a lot about his, like, background and how he got over there, um, but he does have what I would call at least, uh, you don't, you probably don't know who Brad Friedel is. Um, no idea. But Br- Brad Friedel was a, uh, a, a footballer here from the U.S., a goaltender or goalkeeper. <laughs> goaltender. And he, um, goaltender's hockey, I know. It's a goalkeeper. Um uh, yeah, he was a goalkeeper in, um, and he played for Tottenham for a while, but I mean, he's old now. He's even, even when I started watching him, he was 39 years old or something, but, um, he spent so much time, uh, overseas playing that he developed this sort of half you American half British dialect or accent that is so unusual to listen to, um, <laughs> It's very, it's very odd. And Larry doesn't quite have that. A half Brooklyn, half, half British <laughs> accent would be an all timer. But um, he does have, I would say, more of a British, especially cadence, than Bernie does. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. Is it's, it's not even that the accent is that heavy or that strong. It's that he just doesn't speak in that like Larry David-ish Brooklyn distinct Brooklyn cadence that, that Bernie does, which we all love. But yep. uh, Isn't it funny, though, that the British accent is so powerful? Because this happens to a lot of Australians that go over to the UK. They develop this, yep. this weird Australian-British hybrid accent that is, is really off-putting. Kylie Minogue is one that, sure. that comes straight to mind. As, to you, she probably sounds Australian, but to an Australian ear, her yeah, accent grading. is 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 very odd, um, but when she comes back here for six weeks or whatever on tour, by the end of it, her accent quickly changes and and goes back to an Australian one. But yeah, and we don't there, tend to notice it with the with Americans. We've got plenty of Jesse Hemsworth brothers alone working in Hollywood. Um, they still sound Australian to us. Maybe we're more used to an American accent, but who knows? There is something very pervasive about certain accents and i think it has more to do with the uh i guess the cadence or the pace or the uh, sort of some of the dialectical things versus just the uh 
I guess the accent. So I'll notice if I'm spending time in the South when I've been, I don't develop a drawl, but you sort of, your, your cadence is different. Your, the, your way of speech is different. I guess your, your pattern of speech yeah. is different. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, even when I've been in Europe, you notice it a little bit, right? Because you talk to people and they just speak with a different kind of, I guess, I guess it's a syntax, right? I mean, um, it's, it's just a different, it's just a different way about them. Um, my, I actually, I have a family member who, um, I can't remember, uh, if she was born in the South or not, but, um, you know, she's from my family, right? Illinois slash Chicagoans. And, uh, her brothers and sisters all pretty much have different, uh, <laughs> accents. It's amazing. Cause they, they sort of traveled around a lot for, um, with their, with their father who is working. And, and, uh, so I have, uh, uh, at least one cousin with a very strong Southern accent, um, very distinct Southern accent, maybe not strong compared to a, someone who's lived in, you know, South Carolina for the whole life, but, um, very distinct. And, uh, it's, it's always, you know, it's, it's, it's charming in its own way. Right. But, um, it's just amazing how, how easy it is to sort of adopt that. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much mine is, is pervasive. I, I sort of have a mid, the Midwest accent, which is yeah, very much barely, so. barely, barely detectable. So in Australia, it's something that you can notice the difference between the extremes between um, Perth television and Queensland television sounds different to the, the major cities, but not much. And you would never be able to tell somebody on an individual basis that they sound different. But the big difference we get is not on a state-by-state basis, but how much you push into the outback. Then it becomes far heavier in accent and far more crocodile Dundee-ish in its speaking patterns. And it really doesn't um, get defined around state borders. Here I would just not listen to the news in uh, the Northeast. You just don't want to hear. You just don't want to hear that accent. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a lot. That Boston, uh, New Hampshire, Maine accent. You know, well, Maine is different. The let's say Boston. It's mainly uh, just uh, Boston. Coastal Northeast, yeah, it's mainly just Boston. But there's New Hampshire will have some of it. I'm familiar with Wild Tuna. Um, actually, if you go into... On Discovery Channel. Right, and if you go into, like, Western Massachusetts, it, it just is a different one. It starts to, yeah, it starts to get, I don't know, it's it's very, very odd. And if you go to L.A., you know, and watch the news, they're just saying stuff like, you know, totally bodacious, dude, on the news. And it's weird. You never would think that that would be that right after someone gets murdered, too. It's wild. Um, oh, that's Suetonia, you. <laughs> that, that you know, hey, I dare you to come over here and watch the news and see how many times they say surfs up, you know, right after they found a body wash offshore. Look, you can dare me all you want, but I'm not moving to America right at this second. Even to win <laughs> You don't think you. this is the ideal time to. Try to <laughs> no. I it doesn't seem like there's a lot going on outside. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Uh, sure. I mean, there's uh, there's no unrest right here, and I can't see the virus around, so I don't. I don't know. It seems like it's fine. Are you telling me it's not like The Simpsons where you can actually see the virus come out of the cheap Chinese yeah, the Chief Wigan <laughs> firing at it? That's pretty funny. Um, and the bee, the bees are the antidote. That's, that's everybody made that joke when the murder hornet thing started. Um, well, speaking of the end of the world, Tony, 
Um, I foreseeing potentially, you know, Hey, maybe when this show comes out, we'll be talking about the, uh, you know, a, um, the, we're finally getting the lockdown we need because of extreme civil unrest or something like that. But. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an irony that extreme civil unrest actually helps your, um, your, yeah, we um, get healthier. Yeah, be great. pandemic problems um, because we've been we've been five days at zero here in Victoria. Oh my god! Um, well, we're at seventy five hundred a day, and we're doing good. Um, so, uh, with with that in mind, and understanding sort of that win- winter is upon us, or at least coming very quickly, and uh, uh, I decided today that I needed to load up on some coconut stout, Tony. I needed it. I needed to get enough coconut stout to at least last me for a month or so of the winter. Well, before we go go deep into your coconut stout habit that you have stocked up for mo- mm-hmm. more than a whole family worth of stout drinkers, no doubt, did you see my last beer I checked in on Untapped? Because oh, my God, what you, what you got? So you're familiar with a photograph I took. I think it... It caused some friction between us, almost ended a friendship that involved a, a glass. Of course, you took a picture of a glass, uh, or you took a picture of a box and said, <laughs> it's got a new glass. Yes. While the glass is not worth even talking about, I have had two of the stouts, and as I said, the normal variant, I gave a 4.75, and I only gave it a 4.75 rather than a 5 because I thought the other two variants were going to be better. I had, um, with a mate of mine, we had a socially distanced get-together for the first time since the pandemic started. I, I went out of my house and had a drink outside of my family bubble, and we, in celebration, cracked open the whiskey age variant of that. Mm, sounds good. And it was absolutely delicious, and while it had no coconut nice. in it, it had plenty of coconut <laughs> notes from the whiskey barrel, like a shit ton of coconut I imagine notes. so, yeah. And yeah. it was absolutely delicious, and if there was a score above five, I would have given it that. This was a Spinal Tap beer. This was an 11. Now, now we're talking. That's good to hear. Oh, actually, I like, I, I'm seeing pictures of the <laughs> This is funny because we'll be talking about some glasses that I'll be getting. Um, but uh, I, I actually am looking through the pictures of this beer right now, and my favorite is the guy who has a picture in a Melbourne... Storm glass. What are the Melbourne Storm? The Melbourne Storm are our champion rugby league team. So we've got several football codes in Australia. It gets really confusing. So what I call footy is AFL. What Mm -hmm. somebody in New South Wales calls footy is either most likely going to be rugby, could be AFL, or it could be rugby union. So, oh, boy. Yeah, those are different. Yeah. And the rugby and rugby league breaks down differently. I actually misspoke because rugby league will be called league or rugby league, where rugby union yep. will either be called rugby, rugby union, or union. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, okay, they they are sort of similar games, but they are different games. Um, like rugby league, well, is it's kind of more like the NFL meets rugby union. Um, right. Because you have a certain amount of downs before you have to kick. Um, where rugby union, as long as you keep the ball, you you keep moving it down the field. But in saying that, I forgot what I was talking about. So that well, this, I was just going to say that. this feller has a Melbourne Storm glass. Oh, that's has right. a funny, you know, has their 
guy on it. The guy's got a funny look about him, sort of a blockhead looking guy. Yeah. And, um, he is drinking this. Imp- and I, I admire, I admire the commitment involved in this to just take down your big 12% Imperial stout out of a, what I would call like an Imperial pint glass, yep. not a, not a nonic, but just an Imperial pint, like, you know, curved like sh- Imperial pint glass, a shaker, like a Guinness it? glass. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just going to house this thing. I mean, Sweet. You know what I mean? I mean, good golly. That's a lot of beer. This is not, that is not the right glass to drink this beer out of, but this beer is so, so potent, right. And it's going to be so strong flavored that I don't think it really matters, honestly. Um, so it is, but it is funny to see this like 16 ounces of mega Imperial stout dumped into it. Here's another guy, a full nonic, full on nonic from rotting sea. So rotting corpse is drinking a nonic. Of Hawker's Whiskey Barrel Age Stout, pretty good. So you you love this beer, Tony? I want to try it really bad, but um, I doubt I'll be getting my hands on it anytime soon. In in lieu of that, you'll you'll be speaking about uh, your collection of more than one beer. I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's a, there's oh a good uh, selection of of imperial. Oh yeah, stouts. So this is a this is sort of an interesting story, Tony. Um, so Half Acre releases this beer. Once a year, you know I love Half Acre on this show. I'm a I'm a Half Acre stan, and so they released Benthic today. Benthic is their big old barrel age stout, and the base stout is a. I mean the Benthic period, right? What Benthic is is bourbon barrel age stout on coconut, and uh, I believe it's just coconut. Um, if I, I am not mistaken, yes, it's a coconut stout. And you know I'm into that already, <laughs> for sure. And I've never really done I've never really done the packages of it. They tend to do some some variants every year. I've never really gotten much of it. I think I've gotten vanilla benthic before, but that's about it. So um, this year they they dropped four variants, and they're having a curbside pickup. And this is the curbside era is very attractive to me because I hate waiting in line for beer. And in the coronavirus era, you, instead of waiting in line for beer, you just get on a website, you purchase it for a specific pickup time and you just get, and they just put it in your car for you and you leave. And it's so ideal compared to standing out in line in the middle of November in Chicago that I'm just taking advantage of this now because there's probably next year or whatever, we're back to waiting in line for beer. I will not be participating in this anymore. So I decided to jump on this. Um, Tony, I thought I'd tell you, uh, about the beers and then I'd tell you what I I thought was a a very me story (laughs) of how I ordered these beers. Okay. Sounds Um, good. Tony, we can break these down together. So original Benthic is Imperial Stout barrel aged with, uh, uh, toasted, nope, sorry, toasted coconut and coffee. My apologies. Oh, now you're talking. Now you're in my ballpark. It rested in emptied Willet and Four Roses bourbon barrels uh, selected uh, by the brewers in Kentucky. After aging was complete, slammed with over 2,000 pounds of coconut um, and uh, saw a thump of whole bean coffee to round out its uh, specific reason for being. Far-flung drinkability meets dessert-level excess. So uh, that's the original. Um the variants are vanilla benthic. So that beer, 2X the coconut, 
and vanilla be- with plus vanilla beans, Madagascar vanilla beans. So That's you're adding authentic. twice as much coconut and then vanilla yep. bean. Okay, gotcha. So you still got the coffee in it. They're not getting rid of the coffee. It's still got that as part of it. Yep, that's in there. And I'm, um, oh, actually, you know what? I would say, so this just says bourbon barrel age base. So maybe that doesn't have the coffee. I think it's just the coconut and vanilla. Yeah, I think that's right. It's just the coconut and vanilla in there. Uh, That's a good, that's a good catch though, because I I would worry that the coffee will eat the vanilla alive. So I think that's a good decision by them. Um, Here's here's your next one. This, now, now these start to get exciting for me. Not the vanilla didn't already have me on tilt, but <laughs> all right. Extra double benthic. Uh, extra double benthic is the bourbon barrel age based out conditioned on a three X dose of toasted coconut and a two X dose of whole bean coffee. <laughs> Cook it up. I'm very down with that. Yep. All right. Next one. Yeah, you're, you're I'm loving just this for me. Noises. I'm not even saying anything. I'm just making noises. Here's, I realize I'm really adding, adding a lot to the podcast. It's turning into an he's, ASMR he's podcast. He, he's so excited for me to drink these. He can't stop giggling. Um, cherry brandy benthic, a cherry brandy barrel aged imperial stout conditioned on toasted coconut, Madagascar vanilla beans, and, and cinnamon. Now, this one I was a little anxious about, but I love cherry wine so much that I have pretty I've, i have confidence that i think this will be pretty good you know what i mean i agree because that's that's what i was actually going to ask you is you've you've made a distinct call that outside of whiskey barrels you're not a fan of a lot of spirit aging of beers and i know we were talking about tequila and rum as, as two specific cases of that but brandy i i don't think we'd even that hadn't entered my mind i i know it happens from time to time but it seems like a perfect pairing for that particular beer that that everything should mesh well together to actually get that and if you're a fan of of cherry wine walnut while it's not brandy it does have many of the same flavor notes so i i could see you becoming a real fan of this um is this the first time they've done this or do we have um this is a newbie yeah okay there's no history with this one. I think this is a brand a brand new variant, at least in my mind. Um, it'll certainly be new to me, but yeah, I think now I feel pretty. I mean, Half Acre is pretty reliable, so I, I sort of have faith in them. And I did I did recently have one of their a brandy and bourbon barrel age brown ale they made that was killer. So I think they I think they've got a grasp on the brandy um, barrels. So that's encouraging. Um, and your last one, Tony. Old Ben Benthic. It's a blend of barrels from 2018, 2019, and 2020 Benthic vintages conditioned on toasted coconut and whole bean coffee. So just a a three-year blend. Uh, So there's some some three-year aged barrels in there. So that's pretty cool. I'm a big fan of these blends. I I will say I think that they sometimes give you the best beers. It's It's a much better result than just grabbing three beers and doing a vertical with them it brings you something else it brings something else to the table if they're blended correctly and half acres sound like they know what they're doing when it comes to blending they know what they're doing with big beers they know what they're doing with barrels so that won't be an issue and they're not just keeping around their crap barrels and and throwing it into a blend this to me while the others with with triple coconut double double coffee 
are exciting. This to me is even more exciting, and and I would just yep. be making some serious ASMR noise um, right now if I wasn't willing just, to speak. Just the lip, the lip smacking. Yeah, oh, that's not good. We don't like that. Uh, yeah, like the the YouTube videos that you're watching where like a girl smacking her lips, and you're like, why is why is that happening? Don't do that. Um, not that I would ever watch any of this. Anyways. Um, so here's here's the thing I got, Tony, and I'll let you take a stab at the price. You love you. We love this game. Um, it's embarrassing for me, but you know it's funny for everybody else. So here's what I got. This is the all all the variants. You get everything. So uh, they packaged everything in sixteen ounce um, cans. By the way, this came in um, everything's canned, sixteen ounce cans. So with with this package that I got, you get. A four pack of Benthic original. Oh, this is uh, exciting! I, I yep. didn't know how they were going to do it. Okay, four pack of yeah, that. You get a, a whole four pack of the original, a two pack of vanilla. Oh, okay. a two pack of extra double, and <laughs> one each can of the cherry brandy and the old Ben. So they called it a mixed two pack, which I thought was funny. It's <laughs> one each of a cherry, one can of cherry brandy and one can of old Ben. So you end up with what, four, eight, 10, 10 bottles of Imperial or 10, sorry, 10, cans. 16 ounce cans yep. of Imperial stout. Uh, Tony, give me your guess. What do you think that goes for? Uh, I would get, I, I have to, you're going to have to do it in us dollars because I, I can't do the conversion in my head. So I, I think the base beer would be, at minimum, what Goose Island goes for. Uh, perhaps it's got a markup because of its history, but that's, what, $12 a, a bottle and a similar sort of volume. Uh, so I'm going to say the variants aren't quite as pricey, but I'm still going to put it at the $175 mark. Wow, you overshot. I It was $150. For the ten, for the ten cans. That's a good deal. I, 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 I was sort of, I perhaps got, um, I was a bit shy of the mark because of what Goose Island did with their variants, where they got crazy oh, yeah. into into twenty dollars or yeah thirty dollars bottles. Yeah. Um, um, now but, here's what happened when I ordered the beers, Tony. We have to go. <laughs> okay. So Tony, um, I get on the site. You know, and and there's notoriously these pre-release things tend to have issues for some reason, right? It's either like and issues are are kind of a strong word. It's not issues so much as people get mad because they can't get in, or they the beer sells out, or um, they can't they the site um, is slow, or uh, yeah. whatever any number of reasons. It's like getting tickets for a concert online, or at least it sure. was ten years ago. Same sort of thing. So I, of course, wanted this beer. So I got on, you know, a couple minutes early. They, they waited until the last mi- minute to post the link. Uh, and they used something. I don't know if you're familiar with this, <clears throat> this site, Tony. Probably not. It's called Talk, <clears throat> which is, which actually gained fame early on because it was the, it's, it was created by um, Nick Kakonis and um, <clears throat> the Alinea group created okay. this website. They used it for their <clears throat> ticketing. Yep. I, I wasn't familiar with it, but yeah, they've spread it far and wide now, um, in, into other things and lots of, lots of sites use it now. So, um, anyways, I get on there, uh, I actually get, so I, I get there right at 10. I'm like, I want this. I'm going to make sure I get on there at 10. 
and get the beer I want. Put my beer in the cart uh, or whatever. Go down to, you know, go to the next step or whatever it is, right? And it's grayed out. It's like you can't check out. And I'm like, what is it? What is going on? What did I not check? What did I not, you know, put in? Is there a required field? So I'm looking and on the right of each grouping. Uh, so they were selling a handful of things with this when they dropped this at 10, right? They had this, they had some merch, they had a glass, they had some other little treats and stuff. And, um, you know, all that stuff, usually they would just make anything up. Now, for some reason, though, they had left uh, two of the segments where you had to make a choice and it was required. <laughs> but there was no, like, I don't want anything choice. It was like you had to pick something to buy. So I was like, well, what the hell is this? So um, one, of them, one of the ones where something was required was the glass. And one of the other ones was a five-pack of um, benthic cherry, cherry coconut benthic truffles. You know, little, little candies, right? Little chocolates. Yep. So I'm like, so I, I was like, well, I, let me see if this is the reason that it's not working. So I check them and I click and I go down to try to check out and it lets me check out. Right. And I'm like, sweet. So I'm such, but I'm such a pushover. So people are going nuts on the Facebook page. They are posting like, Hey, it won't let me check out. It won't let me check out. It won't let me check out. Why don't you guys turn this off? Turn this off. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'll just pay for this. You know? Okay. So I just ended up with a glass and some truffles, of course, not anything I wanted, but and I'm not, and I, I was like, well, I'm not going to complain because I just won't complain about anything. Um, cause I'm a pushover. <laughs> and also I thought about it and I was like, I think I want to eat these $15 fancy truffles. They sound nice. Um, I'd want to eat those. They were, yeah. So it's whatever, three bucks each. It's pretty good for a truffle, honestly. Yeah. And, um, uh, in a $12 glass, which as we know for a nice, beer glass with a design on it is a pretty reasonable price <laughs> um, compared That's, to what, a 20th of a 420 glass. Is it exactly. And it's a nice glass. Um, Tony, I'll paste a picture in the chat for you and I'll put it, I'll put it on our Instagram so people can see the, um, the glass I, I coughed up $12 for, but um it is a nice glass. It's got a nice slope to it. A little twelve ounce uh, or like forty, not twelve ounce, forty centiliter. Um, uh, sorry, little, I, I'm not yeah. from Scandinavia. Centiliters confuse me. Is that four hundred mils? Yeah, four hundred mils exactly. Um, <laughs> they said forty centiliter on the thing. That's that's the only. Re I don't know anything about metric system. So um, they they it's a nice glass. That's fine. And yep. so I was like. So then later on, they were like, oh, sorry about that, everybody. They put it on Twitter, and they're like, if you didn't want the glass or the truffles, just email us, and we'll refund you. And all by then, I was just sort of locked into having them. So now I'm just like, oh, I want the glass now. <laughs> and the, uh, the truffles, I'm going to eat them. A cherry coconut chocolate truffle sounds fucking yummy to me. Um, so they just, I mean, by making me buy them, they just made money yep in the end uh, i just ate i just ate the extra twenty seven dollars and gave him it and and I'll be happy about it probably in the end so that's uh that was the that was and and it was a big to do on beer twitter here was this was one of the funnier rubs <laughs> of uh fucking up the beer order because usually it's like the site crashes or um the beer runs out in forty seconds or something whatever. It lasted 10 minutes. That's pretty good for a big time beer release here. And, um, and, but the, but the, 
but the weird thing you ran into is you had to spend 28 what is it 28 dollars for some truffles in a glass and it looks like most people just did it because they were just like <laughs> well if you didn't want it you can get it back so maybe they just ended up winning in the end pretty funny um so be picking that up in a couple of weeks i'm sure i'll be reviewing those beers on here if you guys are interested in will i like coconut or not oh my god we don't know you know does he does he think it's good i'm sure they're gonna be amazing they're gonna so. be great yeah can't wait now I, I will say that i'm a big fan of that style of glass that are essentially just do, like yeah. a, a modified stemless wine glass they're they're not fancy with their stems. There's nothing garish about them. They're not utilitarian, but they they're designed to do a job, which is show off the beer rather than show off the glass. Yep, I really like them. Um, most of my beer glasses are heading that way, and they're the ones I really like. Don't get me wrong. There's a there's a place for a shaker pint, and that's an ESP or a nonic. Nonic's probably better for an ESP, um, but. Um, for most beers, I like a good stemless wine glass shape with, with something without beer on it. I love the slope on this glass. You know, I love the little, um, the, the, the taper, I guess on the glass. I think it's very, very nice, very stylish. Um, it's got a, it looks like a, it looks like a nice, you know, lip on the glass that'll make it, um, pleasant to drink out of. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to using it and then, you know, going on my beer collect to see if I can sell it for $50. So uh, we'll just have to see. Um, so Tony, I got one last segment I want to, I want to plow through here um, in our show. I don't have a game. You can't lose this game. Uh, I can't push you in a well. I can't make you donate a million dollars. You know, all I can do is um, read some stuff to you and see how you react. That's the only, that's the only bit I have for this. And uh, this is a game that we played in the show that I hosted. Uh, it's not a game. This is the segment that I did when I hosted the show by myself um, in a fairly, you know, recent, long, uh, never, I guess, never ending, um, just mumbling of insanity that I did a, a few weeks ago or months ago. And it's called the Brooks Capacitor, where now Tony and I are cramming into the. Uh, what was that car called? I already forgot the DeLorean. <laughs> I was about to we're, say. We're getting our ass. The DeLorean. Yeah, we, we're getting in. We're cramming in the DeLorean. Uh, it's not. Tony loves it because then if, I, if he has to get in on sort of the wrong side of the car that he, he doesn't want to, you know, kind of deal with the uh, deal with opening the door or anything. The damn thing just opens up for him and he just, land, he just falls in there drunk, <laughs> of course. Um, we're both hammered. We're getting in there. I'm punching in some numbers. And today I am going back to the last time that a USA a presidential election um, ended up being decided in the courts, which is the year 2000, as a as famous red-haired person Conan O'Brien might say. Um, so we have gone back to the year 2000. This was the first year of rate beer existing, and we are going to look at the top 10 rated beers on rate beer from 20 years ago, Tony. Wow. And you've got to remember, that was the year of the hanging Chad. That's the hanging Chad. Um, and now the hanging Chad is a meme because <laughs> it's that guy with the hat or whatever, the drawing. Of I'm not familiar Chad with I'm too. I'm too old to actually understand what that is. I'm not into meme um, culture, so yeah. Wrong <laughs> time to get in on that, yeah. Well, Chad is a meme. And he's hanging out too, so... 
you're going to love this, Tony. This is a great, great bit where we can react to these beers that seem to exist in another era entirely. But uh, so here's here's the top ten. We'll go one by one. Tony, your first one, number ten of the top ten rated beers in the world on Rate Beer, December fourth, two thousand, is when this is from specifically. Thank you to the Internet Archive Wayback Machine. Uh, number ten is Guinness Draft at a four point three two. Okay. This is way overrated for what it is. But <laughs> as bad as I thought this list was going to be, not off to a terrible start. Love me a Guinness. Guinness is a solid 3.5 to a 3.75, depending on what meal I've got in front of me. Um, great great with a with a pie. Perfect pie beer. Yeah. Um, love a good Guinness. Love a good nitro version. Um, love it in the can. It's cheap in the can. It's... Dependable, it's reliable, it's delicious. Perfect. Yep. That's a I think Guinness Draft is a certainly not the top one of the top ten beers in the world anymore. It was uh it was sort of telling that that was the number ten on the list. There are some good beers on here too. That's fine. That's a fine beer though. Especially when, you know, you get it of relative freshness. It tastes much better. Uh number nine, Tony, and this is a really good beer. Number nine. Number nine. Eyinger Oktoberfest Merzen. Now, is How this... How about that? <laughs> is this it's one just that's, funny to think about that. Is this the one that's made for the actual Oktoberfest? Is this the genuine Oktoberfest beer? I'm sure it's one of them. I mean, it's not the Hofbrau Oktoberfest or whatever, but it's, it's certainly one that's made, I'm sure, is consumed in copious amounts. You know, in Germany for Oktoberfest. Yeah, I just wonder what the beer drinking public would now rate this. I, I think that that's a great one to have in the list. And well, while it wouldn't be in the top ten now, it's it's an extremely crushable style that I think these days gets scored poorly because, yeah, we we we're not going to go into that. But yeah, a really interesting. Um, idea of where the beer palettes were at and I don't think it's going to rate the same with with the modern beer culture and the um, the scorers on rate beer. Yeah. Tony, it is rated a 3.82 tapped. Uh, oh. I enjoy Oktoberfest merits and a good rate for 80,000 check-in. <laughs> that is a really good rating. Good. Shows that it so. does hold up. That That is good to hear. I, I, w- I was thinking that it would be much lower now. So uh, number eight, Tony, uh, this is, this is a uh, – this is a classic that I've actually always liked, but certainly does not does not meet the standards of star, stout in the uh, in the in the twenty twenties, I suppose. But uh, this is Victory Victory Brewing. Are you familiar with Victory I in am. the in the battleground state of Pennsylvania? Um, Victory Brewing Storm King Imperial Stout. This might be a beer you can get, Tony. I'm I'm not positive, but it very well could be a beer that's available in in Australia. <laughs> I don't think it is, but I am very familiar with that beer, of course. When I was getting into the home brewing culture 10 years ago, that was still sort of a pinnacle beer that, that people were trying to replicate at home. So I am familiar with that beer. Haven't actually had it myself, so I can't actually comment on it, but but you've obviously had it and it's widely available to you. What are your thoughts? Does it does it hold up for its age? Oh, extremely delicious. Nothing like stout is. It's 9%. A nine percent double stout, essentially. Um, so it has you know 
might as well be a, it's like a grandpa. I mean, it has nothing to do with it's a it's okay boomer stout. I mean, nobody knows nobody knows or cares what this is anymore, but it's delicious. I mean, it's it's made it's flawless. I mean, there's it's as good as good of a um, drinkable and as drinkable of an imperial stout as you're ever going to have. It's hoppy, pretty hoppy, not black IPA hoppy or three Floyd stout hoppy, but hoppy. Um, which makes sense for the amount of malt, right? I mean, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a Boy. relatively bitter stout for, especially compared to, you know, Twinkie stout of, of, of today's era. So, um, and on untapped, it's actually only a 3.73, which I think is a little fair, but, but makes sense. I mean, it's probably very thin compared to the, the big glute boys of, of the day. So that's what I was going to say, like a Mertz and every, well, the people that drink Mertz and still know what a Mertz is, but everybody right. that drinks a stout doesn't know what a stout of 20 years ago was going for, even an imperial version of that, because they've become something else. They've become thick boys. So here's, here's the next one. This is a, um, this is a, a good chance for me to uh, speak bad French. Um, this is from Unibrew. Are you familiar with Unibrew? Yes. Tony of, of Quebec. I am familiar with uh, this is called Trois Pistoles. It's a um, it's a Belgian. They they call it a strong dark ale. I would say it's it's not a quad, but it's in the it's in the family, I guess. Right? Um, it's a uh, it's a beautiful looking beer. Um, strong dark ale uh, rested on lees. You know, traditionally for Unibrew, all that stuff is. Um, and that's the number seven beer in the world in 2000, according to Rape Beer. Oh, I'm shocked that that made it into the list so quickly. I would have had that at 2004, 2005, which is only a couple of years later. But I wouldn't have thought something quite that exotic would have made it on. But really, anything that is um, Belgian-inspired that is on the darker side is kind of a quad um, that that's that sort of alcohol volume. I think quite right, such yeah. a wide open style. Like, what's the difference between a triple and a Belgium Golden Strong? I think there's bugger all between those two styles, and same with yeah. a quad and a dark ale. They're, they're basically the same thing, and it comes down to the the brewer's interpretation. Right. Exactly. No. Yeah. You're you're exactly right. I mean, this the thing is, uh, you know, so Unibrew makes a. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but Unibrew makes a beer that I've. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about in a future episode, which is the Trader Joe's Vintage Ale. It's just, just, it's this like four dollar beer you can buy at Trader Joe's around Christmas, and it's really good. <laughs> um, and they they brew it for Trader Joe's, and it's like this kind of spiced Belgian, you know, like ten percent Belgian dark ale. Um, damn, that is good. And uh, it's, I swear to God, maybe it's six dollars. I don't know, but it's. It's fucking amazing. And I, anything Unibrew makes, I, I generally It's actually interesting that, that you were talking about a vintage ale um, being great value. Ours isn't released around Christmas time, but Coopers do a vintage ale. Um, yeah. It's their extra strong vintage ale, and they've been doing it for years. And I'm a big fan of, of that beer for similar reasons. It's it's a 6 or $7 beer in Australia. Um and always delivers on what you're expecting um, it to deliver. It's its own thing, and if you can get age v- versions of it on tap, it is really fun to 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 
taste them back to back because you're not often doing verticals. There might be a 2015 with a 2018 and a 2020 on tap. Right. And they're really yep. fun to, to just go between them all and see how they've aged and oxidised and they've always oh, got massive, massive um, malt backbones and stuff like that. And when a beer costs seven, $6 or whatever, putting a beer in your basement doesn't feel quite as painful to not drink it for a while. No, but on the plus side, Coopers actually hold a few of the, the um, kegs back. And so, um, that's a good idea. Yeah, and then they release them to pubs on at beer festivals and the like. So, really cool. Uh, number number six, Tony. You're going to be familiar with these next three or four, I think. Actually, or at least. Um, so number six, this is one we know, and I think was on the last list. I did Roquefort Ten. <laughs> of course, um, we all know Roquefort Ten. It's a quad. It's fucking awesome. It's even a 4.1 on untapped now, 195,000 check-ins. Everyone loves Roquefort 10. I think it, I think it stands up even to like Westy 12 for, for quad. I mean, if not, if, you know, at least in the ballpark with that and it's pretty much available everywhere in, yeah. in the States anyways. So. Yep. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had a bunch of that over the years, never been disappointed. It's the thing that gets me is it's always more complex than you think it's going to be. You know it's going to bring yep. booze and you know it's going to bring yeast character with esters and the like, but there's always more than that going on. It's delightful beer. A, a, a perfect beer for the holidays. I love it. Um, this one is probably the most surprising to me, this next one. And uh, it's not that I don't love this beer. It's that I can't believe it's on here in 2000. It's a number five rated beer. It's Roke, sorry, Rodenbach Grand Cru is number five, and this blew me away. This doesn't shock me. It was... Okay. Look how European the list is. It's European lousy. Right, yeah, that's true. This was probably a site that appealed to a lot of crossover drinkers. So you're getting a lot of sort of early adopters into the beer world, and this is a beer I recommend to people that are rather than an IPA, if they're a wine drinker, if they're a um, even a cocktail drinker, I think sure. it's a great beer. The Grand Crew brings a lot of the, those darker notes, even more tannic notes in in some cases. Um, I think it's a really good beer, and it is ubiquitous. Like we can get that in Australia, no problem. I I get the Rodenback Classic all the time, but the Grand Crew version is pretty ubiquitous and can be found at any decent bottle shop. And I, I still love it to this day. Now I don't think its score would have held up um, even above four in America on Untapped or four worldwide, but it's a beer that I love and it and it makes sense to me that it's on the list and on the list that high. All right, these are early adopters. These are people who probably traveled in Europe at least, if, didn't, if maybe didn't live in Europe already and knew this beer already. Um, and that continues. So your next one is a European beer, um, although you know it's uh, Mister Mister Brexit has changed that, I suppose. But um, uh, Fuller's London Porter is your number four. The uh, Porter. Tony, I, I, now this yeah. this is this is a shock to me that the Porter is the actual beer coming out of out of that brewery at this spot, unless unless their their other beers get on. 
Um, this is my first real shock of the list. I understand really? that, yeah. that Porter would have been the hot um, niche style. It would have been the um, dessert stout of its time. But even still, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. Like that 300 years ago, yeah. That the Porter has actually made it onto the list and made it onto the list that high. True, truly shocking to me. London Porter's only a, th- well, I mean, 3.69 is not a horrible rating, especially for 85,000 check-ins. For a 5.5% Porter, I mean, it's pretty good. But um, it is surprising that it's this high on the list. Um, number three on the list, I've actually seen at number one on, and this is a great beer, of course. It is um, Iinger back on the list again, Celebrator, Doppelbach. I think you've spoken about this beer because you, you can get fairly good access to this. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is yummy stuff. Yeah, and this is just a beer that you would not see um, a great great deal of um, as far as beer nerds seeking it out these days. I'm not saying that the school would – um, take a big ding, but you w- just wouldn't get the amount of check-ins that you would have relative to the beer community back in the day. Uh, makes sense to me. I, I'm a big fan of all things box, whether they just be box, doppel box, ice and box. Big fan of all of those things. This beer will give you a. Um, it'll give you a hangover like no, to, like no tomorrow. I mean, if you if you don't pay it, if you don't sort of pay attention, I mean, it's only 7% ish, but you will, you will fuck your shit up real bad with but this thing. That that's the problem. They are so poundable. They drink like a four and a half percent lager um, in the fact that you can just pound them all day. A well-made double block. I mean, so here's number two, and this is, this is a beer. I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I have to do my best, but number two. Okay. I think I found it. Uh, is Rogue, this is all it says, Rogue Imperial Stout. <laughs> this is like the naming convention for an iPad. You've got the original iPad, and then 10 years later, you just name every other iPad an iPad. Um, <laughs> so I think this is the Rogue, what we would now call the Rogue XS, Russian Imperial Stout. Um, and it does, this does look familiar to me. So I, I'm going to say this is the closest equivalent we have to this beer now. Yeah. Rogue, rogue excess and Russian Imperial stout. I think this is that. Um, and that's the number two rated beer, you know, on rate beer is rogue Imperial stout right now. It's a 3.88 on untapped 5,700 check-ins. 11% alcohol, 88 IBU, which I know IBU stout, you know, is still sort of, um, it's a misleading, it's not, that, not that important, but 88 is re- pretty, pretty good amount still. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, probably especially for today's stout. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it does depend how much residual sugar is left behind to balance all that stuff. And right. it gets taken. Of course. But yeah, it, it does sort of show what it is and, and where it, when it was formulated, it shows that that's where everybody was pushing all beers. Everything should be pushing IBUs further and further and further north. Um, and that's where you started to see pails pick up with their IBUs and even even lagers and stuff like that were starting to, to push into unpleasant territory. And so to have a, a, a standout Russian Imperial Stout go that way, not surprising. Perhaps the beer that's 
aged the least well or or perhaps shows how trendy it was i think more than anything else um with its with its high high placing on this list yeah the way we think of rogue today versus the way we thought of rogue 10 years ago and 20 years respectively is insane right yes. even 10 years ago yep. i have a dis- i have distinct memories of uh Ke- of kelly and i going to um the rogue public house in san francisco and had a great time we were very excited to do it they had a million different beers they made most of them were pretty good you know it was fun to drink their west coast ipa and stuff then now i mean you think rogue is just like rogues to leave behind right i mean it's yep we've all driven past it now you know um not that i wouldn't visit revisit that place i, I wouldn't wouldn't be anti that i'm sure they make some good stuff still Hey, uh, and um, what is it? Uh, Dead guy is a Maybach. So maybe if they rebranded it as a Maybach, people would like it more now. I mean, it is a Maybach. So. I love um, I love Dead guy. That's that's me too. If the I have, rogue beer that should have been placed that high, I think Dead guy is yeah. that beer. Great respect for Dead guy for sure. Um, this beer. So the last beer, Tony. Uh, I'll, I'll let you. I, w- I want you to take a wild, like flailing guess. There's no way you'll get it right. It is an all-time classic beer. Um, still one of the best beers in the world. Not anything that you would expect to ever be the top-rated beer in the world, but is one of the better beers in the world. Um, it is an American beer. Uh, it is a very traditional style, but uh, I want you to take a shot at it. American beer, traditional style, uh, Genovese, or whatever it's called, Cream ale. No. Uh, my actual choice, it comes down between <laughs> two. Um, I don't know whether Bells was around at this point. Um, so I'm not sure it's too hearted. Maybe. maybe It's, it's not a, too hard, just so you know. No. Maybe I'll give you that. The other option was a steam beer. You know exactly who I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. I know that one, yeah. But I think it – I think I'm taking a stab and I could be wrong. I think it still had enough – buzz around it it's been around for probably 15 years before this list was made but sierra nevada pale ale that would have been what i would have guessed if i were in your position that is not correct it is allagash white oh uh, uh, what allagash white is the number one beer an absolute classic of course where did shock um, Talk come in 11th not <laughs> saying it's a bad beer but come on, you cannot pick that style to be rated in the top 100 now. Now, is that the best of that style? Yes. Yes. Is it a great beer? Yes. Yes. Would people rate it in the top 100 now? No. Dude, if you look at the color, I'm just looking at the pictures of Allagash White, and I, I've drank 20 of these beers at least, 40 of these beers. And there's people sitting, it's on tap at, a, at Buffalo Wild Wings, not shitting you. I'm sure it's on tap at lots of Buffalo Wings. But the color of this beer is so fucking stunning. Damn, that looks good. It is so dry. Oh, my God, I have to get some of this. Um, what a great beer. Um, and it comes in a can now, which, and, and it comes in two different size of cans, which I also like. Um, so, yeah. It would, ne- of course, it would never be. Ra- it's only rated a three point seven six on a tap now. Um, Two hundred thirteen thousand check ins of Allagash White. Pretty amazing. That's not surprising. It's a delightful beer. Should it be rated the best beer in the world? No. 
Probably not. Should Rogue Imperial Stout be rated the second best beer in the world? Hell no. Maybe that's more. Maybe we should be more confident about that. Um, just as a couple of side notes about the year 2000. Um, Budweiser was the beer with the most ratings. Um, <laughs> not even Bud Light. That's hey, a shock. Still, I think, uh, yeah. Actually, Bud Light probably holds the most ratings on it. With Guin- uh, the two different Guinnesses were, well, no, two different. Oh, yeah, get, dra- bottle and draft Guin- and can Guinness worth it. The next two, which is silly. Um, uh, a guy named Bob, B-O-V, was the top raider. Um, Budweiser was the top viewed beer. Uh, Sam Adams, Boston Lager, was number two. And... Uh, Here's a blast from the past. Newcastle Brown Ale was on the top ten list of views, and the the top ten the top viewed brewery was Boston Beer Co. Number two was Anchor. Number three was Rogue. So that's what the world was like then. Okay, so I did a search for Elias White, and then of course Google pops up with people also search for. Um, so I'll give you uh, three of the beers you'll be familiar with. You'd expect them. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, people search for that, not a problem. Yep. Uh, New Belgian Fat Tire makes complete sure. sense. This one, less so. Founders, KBS. Um, just untap, untap top. No, this is just on Google. This is just on Google, people also search for. So this is what people are searching for on Google when they search for Allagash White. Um, okay. Now there's a Bell's Beer. What Bell's Beer do you think it is? I mean, I would have to think it's two-hearted, but I guess I could be talked into saying it's like Kalamazoo Stout or something. I feel like you're trying Oberon? to test me because, oh, it's Oberon. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Duh. And then, I'm an idiot. <laughs> then we've got three Floyds. Gumball Head. Yes, Gumball Head. And then we've got Urban Chestnut. Schnickel Fritz. <laughs> Look at you knocking it out of the park. I should have put you in a well or something. <laughs> It pushed me into well. That's what I need. I should have gotten bells right. I'm a moron. I love Brown that. is so off my rate. It's actually one of my least favorite of any of those. Uh, probably is my least favorite of any of those. Love the can from the Urban Chestnut beer, though. Oh, Urban Chestnut. Yeah, that Schnickel Fritz is very, very delicious. Probably one of the better, you know, American-made Hefeweizens for sure. Um. Oh, that's a fun. I, I didn't. I, I've actually never played the the Google also search for game. That's pretty good. Um, very cool. So Tony, um, hey, maybe this year we'll end like the year two thousand, where the the Democrat meekly just gives up in the face of a challenge from the lunatic uh, uh, Republican. Come on, but hopefully not. Joe Biden has so much staying power. He's going to dig his heels in. He's not going to retweet retreat this is a man that's going to die on the hill he's going to die from walking up that hill and that hill is only right yeah only a baseball <laughs> they're both gonna die from i think they're both going down from walking up the roll. <laughs> yeah no hopefully hopefully we don't get the uh already today i did see some uh goofballs like whatever deborah messing or whatever posting stupid shit like this is what a real transfer of power would look like with al gore meekly conceding the election to george bush to you know go kill a lot of people or whatever so uh that was stupid anyways that uh that wraps up this week of election coverage and hopefully hopefully we don't have to watching coverage because it's uh stupid and i'm bad at it so um we can just go back to talking about what 
different things I like to pair with coconut. Which, of course, number one on that list is coconut. Yeah, more coconut. Based on the beers from, from Half Acre, the number one thing to pair with coconut is 2x coconut and then 3x coconut also would be good. Um, so, Tony, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Uh, unless you've got any, you know, other, other, uh, uh, special magic, uh, insights you'd like to provide that might make us feel better about our horrible destiny we're chase we're running up upon. Well, Jim Wolf or Wolfie, who is a, um, only fans model has caused an outrage oh, in no. Australia for posing in a U.S. bikini while the U.S. election is on a knife edge. That just came up in my Apple News. Just saying, that's the world we're living in right now. Lovely. <laughs> that sounds great. And if you, and if you want to see uh, some some get uh, you want to see Tony get on OnlyFans, all you have to do is email us at uh, beerengineshow at gmail dot com. Subject line: Tony get on OnlyFans, <laughs> and uh, he will let you know. And if you just want to email us, like I said, beerengineshow gmail dot com. Get on there. Uh, we're on Instagram. Beer Engine Pod on Instagram. Why is it different? I don't know, but just type pod instead of show. It's not that hard. Um, and I honestly, if you start typing Beer Engine, you'll probably find us because nobody knows what that thing is. We'll have to do a deep dive into that one day. Oh, sure. We'll just spend an hour on that. That sounds great. Um, so you can see, what am I putting up there? Uh, funny pictures, uh, logos that our fans have sent us that uh, are up there. Uh, stories about Tony's uh, kind of uh, interesting life that he leads, where he's uh, you know been accused of various crimes. All that's there. We don't talk about it on the show, but you can get on there and look at it. Um, what else can you do? Oh yeah, like I said, I would love for people to um, give us a shout if you're uh, interested in doing a uh, Black Wednesday uh, live stream pub. We'll get down there. We'll play some Jackbox games or something. We'll, uh, nice. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll write a game. You know, if we can maybe play a group two brews or a group game, I think it'd be fun getting a little interest on that. would love to get more people in it. If you want to email me, uh, that'd be great. And I can get your discord info and get you onto the channel with us. And we'll, we'll screw around and just hammer some beers down and get a little toasty. It'd be fun. Um, otherwise I don't have anything else than that. I don't think Tony, did I say all the things that I'm supposed to say at the end of the show? Yep. I will say this week, super relaxing week so far. Oh yeah. You know, everyone's pretty chill. Honestly, I actually slept pretty good, so I'm not super anxious, but yeah, everybody else is all is feeling great too. I think everyone, nobody's on edge. Nobody's tweeting every four minutes. Nothing like that at all is going on. So, all right, everybody have a great week. Uh, try to stay sane and you know if, I, if you can't just drink 40 beers and you'll be fine alright later <laughs>